Today's show is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls and load balancers, a new managed Kubernetes service, and much more. From predictable pricing to flexible configurations to world-class customer support, you'll get access to all the infrastructure services you need to grow your business. Plus, DigitalOcean's community provides over 2,000 tutorials to help you stay up to date on the latest open source software, languages, and frameworks. So to get started on DigitalOcean for free, with a free $50 credit, go to do.co slash cloudcast. That's do.co slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Good to be back with everybody this week, and we have a very, very busy week with news, so let's get to the cloud news of the week. Seems like within the last week, 10 days or so, it has been sort of cloud earning season. So AWS or Amazon, uh, Microsoft Azure, and uh, Google have all announced their earnings for the quarter. So let's kind of touch on those real quickly. Um, AWS announced uh, around eight, eight and a half billion dollars uh, for the quarter. So they are on about a $32 billion run rate, $32, $33 billion run rate. Uh, so another big growth year, for, uh, another big growth quarter for AWS. But their growth has been slowing down somewhat. So they only grew 37% in this last quarter. And some people will speculate either way. Is that still huge? Is that uh, slowing down? They have been slowing down for the last couple of quarters. So something that analysts have been taking a look at, and given that AWS contributes such a huge amount of profit to Amazon uh, that did have a, a negative impact on their stock price, at least for a little while. Second was Microsoft announced their Azure numbers. So they announced about a $4 billion quarter, about a $16 billion run rate for the year. Now, Azure does break out their numbers somewhat differently than Amazon. So they include some other things. They include Office 365 and some other things in those numbers. So a little harder to break out how much is specifically Azure, but uh, about a $16 billion business there. And then Google Cloud announced their numbers. Um, they are trending at about 7 to $8 billion a year as a business. So roughly a little under $2, $2 billion per quarter business there. And again, Google is a little bit different in how they break out their numbers. Uh, they do include the, include the G Suite uh, set of products in there as well. So we don't know specifically how big uh, the GCP cloud itself is in terms of revenue. But you know, if you're kind of keeping score at home, uh, AWS, about a $32 billion a year business. Azure, in what they count, about a $16 billion a year business. And uh, Google Cloud, about an $8 billion a year business. And again, um, you know, be, be wary of what they include and how they count their numbers. So uh, the big three kind of announced their numbers. Uh, the next thing that was mentioned um, was Microsoft acquired a company called Blue Talon, uh, which was sort of relevant given the uh, the unfortunate hack uh, that got into Capital One. So Blue Talon specializes in sort of data governance. Uh, so they will be bringing uh, enhanced data governance, governance to the Azure cloud. Uh, T-Mobile and Sprint merger was finally approved by the U.S. Department of Justice. So this has been lingering for quite a while, uh, actually a couple of years now, uh, whether or not these two large carriers, mobile carriers, would be able to merge here in the United States. And that finally got approval from the DOD, uh, DOJ, Department of Justice. So that should be going through here pretty soon. A couple of other little notes. LinkedIn, which was acquired by Microsoft a number of years ago, a couple of years ago, uh, is finally going to migrate their platform over to the Azure cloud. So Took them a couple of years to do that, uh, and the speculation is it may take them a couple of years to get this completed. Obviously, LinkedIn is a business that has been around for a while. They have a mix of legacy applications and, and obviously some new things. So that'll be an interesting migration to watch, um, given how much data is uh, owned by LinkedIn and, and how they're going to migrate those applications. 
And then finally, I thought there was an interesting little tidbit that I saw out there. Uh, we have all sorts of open source foundations and so forth, uh, CNCF and Linux Foundation and others. Um, there's actually something called the Academy Software Foundation. And uh, both AWS and Netflix announced they were joining that this week. This is a foundation that is very focused on software and techniques for uh, doing media and movies and so forth. So uh, there was some announcements of software that was contributed as open source into the uh, Academy Software Foundation, and both Netflix and AWS joined as members as well. So obviously, both of them have an interest in uh, making movies and uh, and uh, you know working around software issues around that. So it's going to wrap it up for the news of the week. Uh, we have been talking a lot about data and databases and other data technologies lately on the Cloudcast, just kind of coincidentally. So we thought we'd balance it out if there's that much data and interesting technology floating around, they must have to get across the network somehow. So today we're going to talk a little bit about networking and kind of disruption in the networking space with a startup that's been on the show a couple times before, at least once before, uh, folks from Arcus, Arcus Networks, uh, who just recently took a new round of funding. And we're going to catch up with them and see how they're doing in the networking space and really kind of look at the new trends that are emerging around 5G and uh, data center to cloud interconnect and just all the different uh, networking technologies, SDN technologies and so forth. So looking forward to that. And thank you to everybody for listening to Cloud News of the Week. Let's get to our interview. Today's episode is sponsored by Datadog, the cloud scale monitoring service that provides comprehensive visibility into public cloud, hybrid cloud, multi-cloud environments with over 250 integrations. Datadog unifies your metrics, logs, and distributed request traces into one platform so you can investigate and troubleshoot issues across every layer of your stack. Use Datadog's rich, customizable dashboards and algorithmic alerts to monitor cloud migrations in real time. To start a free trial today and Datadog sending you a free t-shirt, visit datadoghq.com slash cloudcast to get started. That's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. And folks, as you know, you know, one of the things we we love doing the most on this show is is obviously not only introducing you to new startup companies, but you know, when we find ones that are continuing to grow, continuing to expand, and, and are working in areas that are very interesting to us, we want to make sure we bring them back. We want to find out what they're learning in the market. We want to learn uh, kind of insights about how this new technology is working. And so this week, we're very, very excited. We get a chance to bring back a company that we had on about a year ago. Um, so very, very excited to have Devesh Garg, who is co-founder and CEO of Arcus. Welcome back to the show. It's been about a year. Thank you, Brian. Uh, we really appreciate you inviting us back uh, to share an update about Arcus. Um, it has been an exciting year. Uh, we've been incredibly busy and um, exceedingly, um, it's been an exceedingly productive period for the company as well. Yeah. So, you know, just to bring folks up to speed who may not have heard the show a year or so ago, uh, you know, Arcus came out of stealth, uh, first round of funding, really, really kind of a who's who of networking um, is either part of your engineering team, part of your leadership team, part of your part of your board. And, and you really have been focused on, uh, you know, kind of, I'll call it disrupting networking, but really kind of building that next generation of networking that we've been hearing about SDN, systems on a chip, uh, the software side of networking. But for folks that, that aren't familiar with Arcus, give us a quick kind of rundown of, of who you are. And then let's talk about the last year and, and then what's going forward. Well, you know, when we started the company, what we um, recognized was that uh, the networking space, which is a very large market, was really dominated by two or three incumbents that provided uh, closed, vertically integrated proprietary solutions. And history has shown us that um, in such environments, it always leads to best-in-class horizontal segmentation. And so we saw a lot of advancements uh, that were happening in the semiconductor component level. We also saw a lot of advancements that were happening 
um, in the system level from a variety of ODM suppliers. Uh, but the missing link had always been a operating, a network operating system that was a viable alternative to what the OEMs provided. So the mission of the company was to provide solutions that are software powered for network transformation for the interconnected world. And what that's resulted in is a network operating system that we call Arc OS, the Arcus operating system uh, that addresses that missing link in best-in-class horizontal segmentation. And so with our, with our solution and with our product, uh, we're essentially able to run on any system that is based on any hardware, and it really democratizes the networking marketplace to give customers best-in-class options um, as they decide you know, what their solutions are going to be for their networking infrastructure. You know, given given how much is going on with networking, and we'll we'll get into you know kind of the expansion of connectivity and all. There are so many opportunities going on right now for for companies, whether they're operators or enterprises or whatever, to to expand out where they can get data, where they can do things. Networking becomes so critical. Let's before we hit on a lot of things, let's hit on something that's that's really important. Uh, Arcus just took a new round of funding, uh, about thirty million dollars Series B round of funding. What does the funding mean for you? What uh, what's the kind of where do where do you intended to go in terms of helping the company grow or or really attack new opportunities? Yes, we we did. Uh, we just closed a incremental thirty million dollar uh, Series B round. Uh, brings our total capital raised to forty nine million dollars, um, and we were really fortunate in that this round was oversubscribed. And I, I would say, in aggregate, it's a testimonial for all of the accomplishments we've made with regards to the product customer adoption and the significance that we represent in terms of the total market opportunity that's out there. Um, Most of all, I'd say it's a really significant milestone for our team. Uh, We have assembled some of the uh, best technologists um, and have a great uh, team that has really delivered significant results. And so it's a testimony uh, to what, you know, this this group has accomplished uh, since its inception. Um, as part of that funding, Lightspeed Venture Partners joined our team. Uh, they led our round. Uh, they're a tier one VC. Uh, they have deep operational expertise, as well as uh, uh, tremendous infrastructure domain knowledge, uh, which is going to be exceedingly valuable as we scale out the company. And fundamentally, we're going to use the funding to expand operations to support um, a rapidly you know, growing customer base, scale strategic partnerships, and expand the reach of ArcOS um, in a a more uh, uh, global manner. So uh, it's essentially growth capital to really support uh, the operational scale of the company. The way we see it, uh, you know, it, it's good for a number of reasons. Obviously, you know, for you, it's it's growth, but we 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 think it's very interesting in terms of, um, you know, it continues to show that that the venture community is, uh, you know, is bullish on on investments around cloud, around the things that are helping cloud happen. So it, it you know it helps us understand where money's flowing. Um, you know, and I, and I think, like you mentioned, your team is fairly unique in that it is. Uh, kind of a, a unique combination of both experience and expertise on the software side. So people that have experience building network operating systems, network protocols, and so forth. But also, your team has a unique amount of experience in the semiconductor industry. And so having both of those in-house uh, working together, you know, doing designs, and then obviously working with your partners is a is a pretty unique combination. And so it's it's interesting to see that the the market is is rewarding that. And then you're at that stage where you're out expanding sales, you're expanding, uh, you know, getting into new markets. 
is not just making technology investments. So that's fantastic. I want to I want to start to dive into kind of where where you're playing and, and obviously where the market's evolving. I mean, we're seeing everything connected these days. It's not just you know the number of ports, the number of devices, but it's 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 sensors, it's IoT, it's people doing data center to cloud interconnects. It's it's so you know it's five G. It's so many things. What's what are the big trends in in sort of networking as a whole? Whether it's you know where data is located, where devices are located, that's really uh, you know got your team's focus area these days, or where where opportunities are really coming around. Yeah, no, it's a it's a very uh, complex environment. It's multidimensional and it represents tremendous challenges, uh, but those challenges also equate to uh, significant opportunities for those who can address them in a differentiated manner. And so, you know, as I think about your question, I would highlight three elements. One is uh, the information revolution. The second one is general networking trends that we see. And the third would be the resulting uh, transformation in networking architecture as a byproduct of the of the two. And so, you know, starting with, uh, you know, the information revolution, we all know that we're in the middle of it, but it's often hard to really grasp uh, the overall magnitude and the impact it has on our daily lives because things are evolving so quickly and, and we don't really have a, an opportunity to digest it. But just to try and quantify it a little bit, um, by 2025, we're gonna have 75 billion connected devices, which is a 5X increase um, over you know a 10-year period. And in that same period of time, we're gonna have 175 zettabytes of data uh, that are consumed on a worldwide basis, which represents a 60% plus growth, you know, over a seven-year period. So just in the same way we as individuals are being overrun uh, with our multiple devices and all of the um, information that comes at us on a daily basis, we as individuals are merely a singular representation of what in aggregate our networking infrastructure is facing because it has to address all of these things, you know, as a sum of, you know, the global population, if you will. So those two are going through tremendous, you know, challenges in terms of keeping up with all of this growth. The, the second aspect of, of, you know, kind of say the networking trend is that in the early, you know, approximately 2015, we saw the data center IP clause architecture really take off and people started, you know, bringing routing to the top of rack uh, switch tier, uh, but that was still predominantly limited to the cloud titans because you know they had the resources both uh, in terms of uh, the skills and you know the financial ability to invest in developing their own in-house software, and that really allowed them to proliferate uh, these IP class architectures that are uh, far more common today. Around 2018, we saw. Uh, programmable routing become uh, more um, integrated into these IP class fabrics. Um, and, and so with that, you know, the advent of, you know, SDN really taking off multi-tenant routing. And at the same time, we started seeing this kind of convergence between switching and routing. And as we look forward in time in 2020, with the advent of 5G, and that really coming online in a mainstream manner, uh, more distributed uh, cloud and edge pop locations are going to be incorporating this IP class uh, architecture. And so um, we feel that intelligent connectivity and centralized policy control and being able to support a distributed control plane are going to become really integral parts of a solution. Um, and so 
networks are going to be increasingly distributed and hyper-connected. Um, and, and part of that is just to quantify the 5G uh, phenomenon a little bit. With 4G, you basically get about 100,000 users uh, per square kilometer. With a 5G environment, you're going to be able to support up to a million users per square kilometer. And so as a result, we're going to start seeing the flattening of the internet. And, you know, while video is still going to be a predominant uh, driver of the traffic, uh, subscriber bandwidth is going to be growing at about a 30% you know, growth rate on an annualized basis. As a result of that, you're going to get more direct connections. You'll have less transit backups. Uh, there's a tremendous number of new paradigms in the marketplace as well. While we know about video, um, virtually all enterprises have some uh, type of SaaS-based business model and increasing um, and stricter SLAs that they have to adopt. And with this adoption of 5G, you're going to start seeing um, network functions get relocated. Uh, both the compute and storage elements are going to move closer and closer to subscribers, and there's going to be an increasing shift to regional and metro peering. Um, that, in turn, is going to drive smaller footprints and distributed sites. And when you have distributed sites, you need greater automation. You need uh, greater resiliency because you want to avoid you know, implementing costly backup solutions. And, and finally, you need flexibility. Uh, you need flexibility, for example, at the port density level because not each of these remote sites are going to have the same number of subscribers and have the same number of you know, uh, requirements around performance and bandwidth capacity. And finally, we're seeing this, you know, growth in um, in routing. The internet routing table, uh, since we talked to you about a year ago, has grown from 710,000 routes to today being over 820,000 routes. And so as you bring on more subscribers with more uh, devices and more endpoints, that internal routing table is going to continue to grow, and it's going to require a no-compromise routing-centric solution that has a very long tail to its life to support the ongoing needs. So as a byproduct of all of these you know, multidimensional things that are happening, high-performance routing um, is fundamentally going to become table stakes you know, for, uh, for our environment. And, and and the final part of this is, well, then what's the implication around uh, networking architecture? And our view is that the um, IP clause architecture that is dominant in data centers today is essentially going to move to regional edge and edge cloud, um, albeit in different form factors with different capabilities, um, the multi-tiered clause in an appropriately sized form will be instantiated into these ever-increasing and more distributed, hyper-connected sites that are placed closer and closer to the subscriber. Um, and, and as a result of that, it essentially has to be a routing-centric solution because the moment you're traversing these distances and these geographies and moving from one land environment to another, that inherently becomes routing-centric. And so we feel that in order to effectively solve these, you need to have a solution that not only goes from the top of rack to the leaf and spine and super spine, but you need to address switching to routing and you need to address 
the migration from the data center to the edge for all the aforementioned reasons. So these are some of the things that we see happening. Um, and as I mentioned at the onset, it's a multidimensional complex set of challenges um, as you know, we live in an increasingly uh, hyper-connected world. Yeah, no, I, I think you, I mean, you hit on, you hit on so many things there. It's, it's, um, you know, we've got this, this pending 5G thing. And the, I mean, the numbers you talked about in terms of density, uh, you know, we, we see it replacing, you know, we hear about it replacing uh, Wi-Fi, you know, we're, we're getting, you know, faster and faster mobile devices. We're getting, like you said, everything is collecting data. Uh, that data is going to get backed up. It's going to get analyzed. It's going to get, you know, it's going to be flying around the network all the time. So, I mean, you, you highlighted so many things that are really, um, you know, not just small incremental changes in networking, but I mean, there are things that are just kind of huge, uh, you know, they're, they're demographic changes of, of what people expect out of their network or really just what they expect out of responsiveness to their application. You're seeing things that are, like you said, moving, uh, you know, moving the data closer to people, replicating those environments, having these small cells. I mean, just massive number of things that behind the scenes are going on that's, that's going to be right in your world. So very, 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 very exciting stuff. Um, l- let's talk about kind of the, the way that the, the people that are that are buying your technologies, you know, network operators, whether that's a municipality, whether that's a, a, an MSP, whether that's, you know, whoever, how do they, how do they think about what's the kind of what's the way that they talk about uh, the value of investing in SDN in these, uh, you know, different form factor things versus the way that they used to think about networking before? Like, what, what are some of the economics they think about? Or what are the, some of the things that they, they try and measure to figure out how they're making these investments? What we hear is that it's a multi, you know, very decision process. And so I will talk about it from a CapEx perspective, an OpEx perspective, and supply-based yeah. diversification. Um, and all three of those while they cover uh, traditional economic terms, uh, there's real technology, real product, and real value that falls into each one of those components. And so if, um, as you said at the uh, earlier part of our conversation, uh, Brian, uh, the the interesting thing about uh, Arcus is that we do have um, a combination of hardware-centric, semiconductor-centric experience coupled with tremendously deep networking uh, domain expertise. And so if I talk about that CapEx piece for a moment, let's just talk about some of the advancements that are being made in merchant component products. And so I'll, I'll, take, I'll take two examples. Uh, one is um, uh, Broadcom uh, recently announced a uh, 12.8 terabit switch uh, that supports, you know, up to 128 ports of 100 gig uh, uh, port density. And with the advent of that product, you really have a solution that can um, start compressing the middle tier of the cloth. And, and so you have the ability to replace many, many lower density, lower performing switches with just a few of the 12.8 terabit based solutions you know, with the advancement in, you know, in such a product like Tomahawk 3. And as a byproduct of that, if you start looking at some of the economics, that can result in up to, you know, a 25% reduction in the switch count. It could be a 33% reduction in the maximum number of east-west hops that the network has to um, accommodate, uh, thereby improving overall performance um, as well. 
And with this consolidation and this compression of the middle tier, you can see you know, reduction in infrastructure cost up to $300 a server. And, and so that's merely one example of the advancement of being able to put more transistors down and create more complex system on a chip solutions that really drive economics. Now, the reality of it is that these advancements in the semiconductor space um, and in the data plane switching tier really need the proper software to unleash and fully uh, rationalize those capabilities in a manner that end customers can take care of. And that is where Arcus and ArcOS comes into you know, the picture. So we now have ArcOS on multiple switches from multiple ODMs predicated on this 12.8 terabit Tomahawk 3 chip that really provides a comprehensive set of value along the lines that I talked about. Another advancement on the CapEx front is with the recently announced 10 terabit uh, Jericho 2 product, which is the high-end member of the Strata DNX family. Uh, it's a switch routing solution. It can support up to 2.6 million entries um, on chip. And for the very first time in the history of the semiconductor uh, space, you now have a company that's produced a merchant component that is uh, really able to solve uh, problems that were previously relegated to custom solutions from the uh, OEM incumbents. And, and so now with this advancement, um, in a similar way, you now can deploy a deep buffer Jericho 2-based solution into these increasingly distributed edge cloud and edge locations with tremendous deep buffer capacity. In addition to that, they support line rate flow monitoring, which again was relegated to custom solutions from OEMs. And with advancements such as this, you now really have a future-proof solution that delivers um, at, a, um, at a very, very competitive level essentially all the capabilities that you need. But similar to the point that I made you know, on the Tam Tomahawk 3 uh, solution, routing is even more complex and you really need a highly scalable, highly complex network operating system that can handle all of this tremendous performance. And so we've also uh, ported uh, ArcOS onto Jericho 2 and we have uh, in our recent announcement along with our funding uh, highlighted how we have um, multiple ODMs that support anywhere from 24 ports, 40 ports, 80 ports, 96 ports of uh, routing-centric capabilities in these platforms. This is an industry first, and what Arcus has really done is advanced the concept of open integration into routing. And, and so what I'm essentially highlighting is the advancements in these merchant components um, are phenomenal onto themselves, but they really don't provide the complete solution uh, to the end customer unless you have uh, the other elements that are critical and necessary really unleash their full capability. And with ArcOS on such components, you now have that. So that's one example. A second example that I said I would talk about was on the on the operating expense side. So, so for example, um, when you have a solution like ArcOS, which is a single architecture, single software, one operating system solution that traverses across Tor, Leaf, Spine, Super Spine, and um, deep buffer 
routing centric use cases, you have the ability as an end customer to standardize all of your other software and all of your other capabilities around a singular operating system. And as a result, this greatly reduces your operating expenses because oftentimes from uh, particularly the large OEMs that have been in the routing space, they have multiple software solutions, one for the routing solution, one for the data center solution that they want to sell to you. Sometimes these are incompatible. Sometimes they have inconsistent data models. Um, they have things that are a little bit different between them. And all of this ultimately affects the efficiency and efficacy of your solution, thereby increasing operating expenses. It's a little bit harder for me to quantify because depending on the size of one's network and how complex it is, you know, you will get um, uh, significant variability across that. Another element of the operational expense uh, side that, you know, we've really uh, uh, tried to resolve with our approaches uh, back in the February, March timeframe, we announced um, EVPN support and multi-tenancy support. And along with that, we did some very innovative work with IETF to reduce the operational headaches and nightmare associated with implementing an EVPN solution. So that work is actually standards-based work that Arcus uh, was very instrumental in pushing forward. Uh, companies like uh, uh, LinkedIn and Oracle uh, have gotten behind that, and we're seeing increasing uh, adoption from uh, the, uh, uh, the general community uh, where they really want to implement such innovative capabilities because they know it's going to translate to meaningful and consequential OPEX savings. And then the third piece of how people are rationalizing, you know, the kind of network transformation solutions that we're putting forth is really supply-based diversification. You know, for example, um, if you bring in, if your networking environment is predominantly dominated by one or two large OEMs and they know that they're the de facto solution, they have very little impetus to really make any consequential changes. And so um, while that's not the primary area that we focus on, we really are innovating and providing you know, much more novel, scalable solutions to the marketplace. We do offer this incremental supply-based diversification where we give the customer you know, the option of being able to bring in multiple ODMs, as an example, to diversify their hardware base. We give you know, customers the flexibility of being able to procure and buy software only from Arcus, or if they prefer to buy software plus hardware from us, they can. But in all cases, what we want to do is provide the best-in-class software solution that then gives end customers the most flexible consumption model, and that flexibility should translate to direct savings minimally through supply-based diversification. For example, Brian, if you gave me, say, 10% of your network, the cost to bring Arcus on board and the discounts that you would get from me relative to the incumbents would be more than, you know, enough to rationalize and pay for themselves simply by, you know, the incremental cost, you know, leverage that you would have over your supply chain. So simply by opening up um, and democratizing the networking industry through supply-based diversification, I think you will see a re-rationalization of you know, the pricing and the cost per bit that is delivered vis-a-vis -vis these solutions, because we feel there's, you know, an opportunity to really 
move this forward. So from an Arcus perspective, we want to take advantage of the advancements in uh, components, uh, be it at the uh, switch level, like I talked about. Um, and I was a little bit remiss. I didn't even talk about, you know, control plane scale, where if you have more uh, processors and more cores, our architecture inherently scales and gives you that much more performance. But nonetheless, we want to take advantage of the advancements in um, the component industry uh, to drive CapEx savings. We want to drive OpEx savings through um, a more simple, scalable, and secure solution. And then when you um, inherently bring more uh, providers into your supply base options, that is going to uh, help you get the best overall solution as measured you know, by your performance, the quality of your solution, and ultimately the price you pay for it. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it, you, you went into fantastic detail about just kind of you know, the, the number of things that go on in terms of kind of the economics around networking, right? It, it impacts so much of what we do. So the ability to not only impact uh, the the acquisition side of things, the, the density side of things, which obviously impacts things like racks and, and, and real estate and how much power and cooling you have, but also, like you said, being able to impact the ongoing operations of things, which, you know, typically is in the 60, 70, 80% of your ongoing cost, you know, be, having a, being able to not only just sort of like make incremental impacts on those, but make sort of orders of magnitude impacts on those areas is, is huge. And I want to touch on one last thing before we, we sort of wrap this up. Um, there's some new technology that, that you guys are introducing um, around what's called Arc IQ. Um, and, and I'm very interested in that because, you know, back in the days when I was doing networking, obviously networking had certain smarts built in, routing protocols and, and you know, routing tables and so forth. But but now starting to bring some AI types of smarts around operations. I'm curious about how you're introducing that and, and kind of what what the what the demand has been or what people have been telling you they, they want to leverage AI to be smarter in the networking space. Yeah, this is a, a new uh product capability for us, uh, ArcIQ. It's an AI network operations um, center or NOC platform, if you will. And I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, you know, just to maybe walk you back a little bit. Um, when we started the company, uh, we went back to first principles when we built ArcOS. Um, we were able to do that because um, we recognized that ultimately we wanted to provide a viable alternative to, you know, the, the major your, uh, incumbent OEMs that were out there from a software perspective. And, and so that necessitated us going back to first principles and really designing the Arcus operating system as a best-in-class solution. Um, and I think we have successfully done that and demonstrated that uh, in multiple ways. One of the um, opportunities we had when we did that was we incorporated um, a standards-based API uh, construct. And so um, by virtue of us wanting to provide best-in-class software, we knew from the onset that we needed to coexist in a multitude of different environments. And the only way to really do that effectively um, is to uh, embrace standards. Uh, the second aspect of it was we knew that um, real-time uh, telemetry and the massive amounts of data that the Arcus operating system was going to be able to provide on a real-time basis not only from the control plane side, but from the data plane side, one of the unique opportunities we had was that we could provide a comprehensive 100% view of all the data on your control plane, 
as well as your data plane, and then provide that on a real-time basis. And so we incorporated all of the necessary infrastructural elements in Arc OS to deliver that. As the company progressed, we basically said, now that we have the ability to stream out this information, what should we do with it? And so um, that was the basis of ArcIQ, as I mentioned, an AI knock platform. Um, it's a multi-cloud edge, multi-vendor solution. And the idea was that with the streaming telemetry um, and the information that ArcOS provided, we had the ability to do some very interesting things around visibility, control, and security. And in the limit, while we're not there, in the limit, this then becomes a precursor to being able to enable um, a self-healing network um, because you have this real-time data coming into this environment. You can then action it, and then that serves as a feedback mechanism into the operating environment, and you now have a closed loop, again, predicated on standards, uh, but nonetheless, it's a closed loop that really allows you to start doing some very interesting and incremental things. And so that was the basis of ArcIQ and how it came about. And what we have done is we you know, formally announced that into the market. Um, and with it, we can do very traditional things uh, that many um, basic analytics providers do, like network health. Uh, that basically provides per device platform information, resource usage, um, service insights, process back blacklist information, white you know list information, et cetera. Um, but it really allows us to really start doing much more interesting things like network security. So as part of um, making ArcIQ available into the marketplace, we announced a um, an RPKI-based route origin validation, ROV solution, which really allows you to secure your control plane. And then in addition to that, taking advantage of some of the line rate capabilities that I talked about uh, that the Jericho 2 product provides and uh, leveraging our BGP flow spec capabilities, we have a solution to secure uh, the data plane via a DDoS mitigation uh, capability. And so we're really now kind of taking the advancements that ArcOS provided, capturing them vis-a-vis -vis ArcIQ, and then bringing all of these capabilities together to provide really tangible sol solutions, the first set of them being in the security area. And, and, and so what I would say to you is that what really makes our capability unique is the quality of results that we can provide. And the reason we can provide enhanced quality of results is because of the quality of the data that we have as a byproduct of what we stream out from ArcOS on this real-time basis again, with 100% view of both the control and data plane information. And, and so um, the reason I'm so excited about this is there's any number of directions we can take it, uh, and we will be disciplined about what we do with it. Uh, and that's why we've really focused in on um, you know, these two security-centric solutions, one for the control plane and one for the data plane, as I, as I you know, alluded to. And... Um, uh, you know, the sky is the limit in terms of where we can really take this capability. What's really unique about uh, this offering is, as I mentioned, it's a multi-cloud um, uh, capability. So, you know, we have it on AWS and Azure today. So it can be deployed in the cloud vis-a-vis -a, -vis a SaaS-based model. It can be deployed on the switch, you know, as, you know, a resource. Um, and 
you know, it can be deployed independently on a server on-prem um, in hardware and coexist with other non-Arc OS solutions because, you know, we're very standards-based and our idea is really about opening up the market. And in the process of opening it up, we want to give customers best-in-class options and choice. And the only way we're going to be the selected provider is if we in turn provide, you know, a best-in-class capability. And so I'm very... Uh, much a advocate of standards and opening up the environment because it also forces us to continue to innovate and provide value to our customers by offering differentiated capabilities. So, uh, you know, in a nutshell, that's what we're doing with ArcIQ. Uh, very excited about it. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, you'll, you'll hear interesting um, uh, updates in the uh, coming uh, period uh, as we really uh, refine the capability. Very, very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, first and foremost, uh, thank you so much for the time today and, and congratulations to you and the team on, on the new round of funding. Always always good days when, when those happen. Um, you know, for me, the big takeaway from from just this, this last few minutes has been, you know, there are, there are so many things happening uh, that impact networking. And, and while you know, the folks who are listening may not all be, you know, network centric people, they may not be, you know, kind of infrastructure architecture, as you're thinking about as a database admin, as a big data person, uh, it's really interesting to kind of understand that those limitations that you may have thought in the past around networking, around latency, around moving data around are being addressed by by folks like Arcus and by, you know, these new models of, you know, leveraging, uh, you know, leveraging systems on a chip, leveraging what's going on with Broadcom, leveraging smarter operating systems. Uh, and ultimately, these sort of have ripple effects on both the networking landscape, but also, uh, you know, on the data landscape on IoT and mobile. So I learned a ton today. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I love digging into the economics and how it's changing. Uh, real quick, before we wrap it up, Devish, what's the best way for folks to to kind of go learn about Arcus or want to you know, maybe find you guys out in an event or a meetup or something? You can go to our uh, website uh, at uh, you know, arcus.com. Uh, there are um, opportunities to you know, ask questions or submit uh, requests for information, and we'll certainly follow up. Uh, that's probably the most efficient um, and best way uh, to either get information about Arcus or to um, reach out to us, um, and um, you know, we'll follow up with the, uh, with the appropriate information. In addition to that, uh, we've got an Arcus uh, homepage on LinkedIn. Uh, I would encourage everyone out there to become a follower. Uh, we try and really put substantive, high-quality content on a uh, regular basis. Um, as part of this uh, funding announcement, there's going to be a series of very interesting blogs uh, written by various members of our team. Uh, there's new video content, um, and there's going to be uh, a lot more you know, product-centric information and use case information that we're going to progressively add to uh, both of those uh, uh, environment. So we, we welcome you to join, um, and network different with Arcus. Very, very cool. Well, listen again, Devish, thank you so much for the time today. It was great to, to catch up with you all. It's great to hear about, uh, about the growth uh, of, of what's going on both with Arcus as a company, but like you said, uh, you know, where you're helping to drive the standards with, with other companies in the industry. So folks with that, we're going to wrap it up. We want to, uh, for myself and for Aaron and, and for Devish since time today, want to wrap it up. want to thank you all for listening. want to thank you for telling a friend and uh, helping, to, helping us grow the show. So with that, we're going to wrap it up and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 